0: Let's pray. Father, we want to thank you for this evening. Thank you for this special month in the in the life of Kensington Temple. As we take on the challenge of missions to the world, thank you for the fundraising activities. Thank you for the contribution and the generosity of your people. Thank you, Father, because you are increasing our knowledge uh, with the desire that is in your heart to take the gospel to all nations. And so, Lord, as we continue this afternoon in this teaching, we ask, Lord that you help us to grasp the need of our time. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Lord, let this service be a blessing to your people. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen and amen. Amen. Come on, let's give God a clap of it. Hallelujah. Amen. And please be seated. Please be seated. Well, welcome to the fourth in the series of uh, the teaching on... Uh, uh, the, the missions, and of course, it's July, and it's uh, Missions Month, and um, Pastor Colin is being on, and some other speakers also have been on, uh, bringing uh, the mission teachings uh, to us, and I'm here to continue and to do the fourth in the series of these teachings. And I was told in, uh, that in the morning, Pastor Colin did mention that I was going to come and repent because of the mix-up <laughs> mix last week, so I repent. Uh, I hope I'm forgiven. Am I forgiven? All right. Then see you next week. <laughs> now that I've done my repenting, okay. But no, we're going to continue um, with uh, the teaching this afternoon. And my topic is the 20th century revolution, the growth of the non-Western church, the growth of the non-Western church, and the, we're going to look at some of some of um, some, some animations on the screen as you know how God uh, took the world by storm through the preaching of the gospel amen hallelujah so uh it's light to the nations the 20th century explosion explosion of missions around the world explosions of of god's word all over the nations and the increase that came through uh missionaries going around the world and the first thing i would like to mention was that in uh, in 1910 in 1910 there was a gathering of missionaries it's called the Edinburgh Missionary Conference of 1910, uh, when uh, different expressions of church missionary societies came together in Edinburgh to uh, think and ponder over the, the way missions should go uh, in, the, in the next century. And in 2010, uh, the hundred years of that Edinburgh missions were celebrated again uh, um, here in, in uh, sorry, in Edinburgh. And That time in in 1910, the the missionaries, they came together. These church groups from wider, wider, you know, uh, spectrum of church group came together. And they had a nine-point agenda in what they wanted to look at. And um, I'm just going to open up my my iPad here and give you the nine points. The number one point on the agenda was carrying the gospel to all the non-Christian world. That's number one. Number two, the church, they were looking at the church in the mission field. And then number three, they were looking at education in relation to Christianization of national life. How do we, you know, have education play a role in Christianization of national life? Then number four, uh, the missionary message in relation to non-Christian religions. How do we uh, take the Christian message to non-Christian religions? How do we preach the gospel to people who have not had... The message of the Lord Jesus Christ before and number five the preparation of missionaries how do we prepare missionaries to go into the world how do we prepare missionaries to go to places that have never been before they were looking at the cultures and all that then they also wanted to look at the home base of missions you know how do we make sure that you know missions have a home base we, are, we, can, we can begin to send people out. And a lot of people know that we, as Kensington Temple London City Church, we are a sending church. Uh, just a couple of minutes ago, uh, myself and Pastor Colin were having a chat upstairs, and he was, you know, reminding us about how many people have been trained in this house And they've gone over to Africa, to Sweden, to America, to to so many places, and they've carried that touch of the things that they have learned from this platform and so on. At the 230 service, Pastor Claudio uh, Ferro was preaching here on this platform, and he was saying that it's taking him 20 years to be able to preach on this platform. But at the same time, he was trained in this house, he was mentored in this house, he was discipled in this house, and he was sent out to Rome and he's done fantastic work for god there the the, the pastor Collins' to us sort of the spirit has been translated to uh to italian and all that and he's the, the the fruit is coming now that he's able to come back you know as somebody who has been sent out from here as a missionary to give report of what god is doing and so this uh uh, uh missions group meeting in End- edinburgh they were thinking about the base and that's what we are we're doing this month we are solidifying we are we are uh, shoring up our foundation as a missionary church as a church that sends people not just to different parts of london not just to different zones of london but also to different parts you know of the world our mission base has to be solid if we're going to be sending people out financially we have to be solid spiritually we have to be solid resources wise we have to be solid even raising up missionaries to go we have to be solid and that's one of the things that was considered in Edinburgh. Amen. And number seven, missions and governments. This conference in Edinburgh was looking at how do we relate with government in our mission work. And we are looking at the, the period of 1910 to 2010 in this uh, uh, context now. And in those days, the British Empire was there. The Americans were, you know, were, super, were powers. There were different powers around the world. And the missionaries do need uh, to have government protection. their are home-based government protection hallelujah and in fact in that edinburgh uh, meeting there was a particular minister you know government minister in england that was part of the leadership of that conference so the government and christianity have uh, have always had something to do together in this nation and so we shouldn't be discouraged when we see laws are being passed that are against christianity the preaching of the gospel and all that we should know that god's hand is still upon this nation can i hear you say amen amen and of course number eight they were looking at cooperation and promotion of unity you know among the missionary groups and it's amazing I mean haven't been with pastor calling for some years now I've seen how he's been able to bring two extreme missionary groups to work together amen I don't want to mention names I've seen them sat together on the same table and discuss their differences because our our strength is in our unity when we fight each other we cannot. We cannot accomplish the goal that Jesus has given us amen the Bible says that a house divided against itself cannot stand and so it's, it's very very important for us to work together with other missionary groups around the world we work with with OM we work with YWAM we work with so many so many other missionary groups to make sure that the Great Commission is accomplished because there's not one single denomination that can take the world for Christ amen our, 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 our catchphrase in, in, in Kensington Temple is London and the world for Christ. We want to take London and the world for Christ. Though as bold a statement as that is, we know that as, a, as a, an expression of the body of Christ in London, we cannot single-handedly take London for Jesus Christ. And we are always willing to work with other co- uh, church communities to see how we can uh, take this nation. Amen. And of course, number nine, the history and the records of the conference were compiled so that we can have them uh, today. And that was the history of the Edinburgh Missionary Conference. And I thank God because uh, as we go on, we see that the, the, this mission, as they sent people out, especially the, the, the Christian missionary service that came from this nation, um, it, it, it was fantastic what they did in Africa, the risks that they took, and everything that they did in other nations of the world that um, has, has kept the footprint of Christianity in those nations up till now. Amen. Amen. Now, the growth of the non-Western church, uh, I'm just trying to make my PowerPoint work. Hallelujah. okay now we want to see the growth of christianity and this is projected up to 2050 amen i'm going to see some animations in a in a few minutes from 1970 to 20, 2050 as you can see uh, the, the world population that's the blue line is going up in 2050 it's projected that the world population will be about nine billion people but then at the same time the Christian population is going to be just about 3 billion. So you can see that the world population is growing at a higher rate than Christianity. Christianity is growing, and we continue to grow by God's grace. Can I hear you say amen? Amen. But we want that growth to be, uh, uh, to catch up almost with the growth of the world population. Otherwise, we are losing ground Uh, to other religions and we are losing ground especially to the devil and that's why we have to keep reactivating our missionary activities amen we have to keep going sending missionaries and so on uh, uh, to to, to the rest of the world amen you can see the red uh, 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 marks there is the growth of Christianity where Christianity is uh, major around the world you can see in North Africa and Canada You can see uh in oceania australia down there you can see in south uh america that christianity is predominant but take a look at africa amen with all the uh all the missions work in africa and people giving their lives one million people coming to the lord you can see that it's only in sub-sahara uh africa that we have christians Also there, uh, in the middle of Africa, there we have mixed religions where you have those marks, indigenous, Christian, and Muslims, and and Christian religions mixed together. so there's still a lot of work to be done. But when you look at the north of Africa, you can see that it's green. And where you have green is where you have Islam that is predominant. And that's the 1040 window. And that's why the work that Katie is doing through uh, uh, the Bible School and the church and everything, and the language school in Southern France, is very, very important. We are, we are, we are trying to, 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 to make an entry from uh, from Southern France towards Northern Africa, and then also from West Africa up to the northern part of Africa. The missionary work has to go on. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, the progression of Christianity from 1900 to 20. I want to show you some animation on on maps and see how this growth has come about, the progression of Christianity. Now, take a look at those dots and begin to to see them, how they begin to increase. That is how Christianity began to increase. The the pink dots are showing that the, 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 the way Christianity began to saturate from, you know, 1970, that's 1980, that's 1990, and that's up to, uh, 2010 2020 and that's where the progression has stopped that if we keep sending our missionaries if we keep, if we keep making uh uh missions a focus and not just us as as katie alone but the church as a body we continue to make missions uh, a worldwide thing we will see that the dots will keep increasing the dots will keep increasing amen now, the good news is that every day, over 100,000 new Christians come to, the, to faith. Over 100,000 people come to know Jesus. Can I hear you say amen? amen. That's the good news. Come on, let's give God a clap, clap offering. Amen. amen. And so people, that's worldwide. And so people who are saying that Christianity is dying, they, have, they don't know what they are talking about. Amen. Christianity cannot die. Yes, we are facing challenges, we are facing obstacles in Europe, but somewhere around the world, in other places in the world, God is still on the move. Amen. And God is not finished with England yet. God is not finished with Europe yet. He's just waiting on us. And we must stop waiting on God. We must understand that God is waiting on us. Amen. Thank God that in this house, we are connecting with the heart of God to send people to go and to raise finances for those missions. And that translates to 4,500 new congregations every week, worldwide. 4,500 congregations. Hallelujah. God is on the move. Amen. Hallelujah. And then let's begin to see uh, the population of Christians around the world. This is Christians around the world. You can see in Africa, 350 million in Nigeria alone, we're about 165 million people. So when we are talking about 350 million in Africa, it's still nothing compared to the to the whole population of Africa. Amen. Uh, you can see in South America, 420 million people. In North America, Canada, 227 million people. Uh, in um, um, where is that now? <laughs> Western Europe you can see the whole of britain is covered in in blue so christianity is still predominant in the uk can i hear you say amen Amen. um from the last census we are still predominant but other religions are catching up with us because we are not growing at the rate at which we are supposed to grow and we know that by god's grace that will change so that's the population of christians around the world and it's encouraging amen it's encouraging there's a lot of work to be done there's a lot of work to do for example uh last week Tuesday uh, on this platform, we're sharing uh, some of the things that we came from Romania with. How in the country of, in the nation of Romania, there are some areas of around the Magidia between Turkey and Romania where you cannot find one single evangelical Christian. One Christian who is an evangelical. Amen. And that, that church is planted, The church planting wanted to increase that. So compared to the, to the world population, we have a long way to go, but with God, all things are possible can i hear you say amen Amen. all things are possible amen now let's look at some of the nations of the world in south korea in 1900 there were no protestant churches which means you only have probably the roman catholic church korea is is um has two christian streams the roman catholic church and the protestant churches but in 1900 there was none no protestant church at all today, South Korea is 30% Christian. Amen. Amen. And we know that South Korea has the largest church in the world. The largest church in the world is in South Korea. And in fact, South Korea sends more missionaries into the world today apart from the United States of America. South Korea that in 1900, Uh, has no evangelical Christian, is now sending missionaries into the world more than any other nation in the world except for the United States of America. Come on, let's give God a clap offering, amen. (laughs) God is doing fantastic work, hallelujah. God is doing fantastic and great work, you know. He's going to places and raising missionaries up, amen. And today, South Korea is 30% uh, uh, Christian. Hallelujah. There was even a time that in, 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 in South Korea, the, 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 in the time of the communists wanting to take over, it was very difficult to be a Christian. But now, thank God, um, if I may give you the example of, uh, of Dr. Yonggi Cho, uh, he, he goes around the world now preaching the gospel. He's an old man now, but everywhere he goes, he's received by governments. The South Korean government will not let him out of Korea unless the country is going to can give a guarantee that that government will look after him and care for him. Can I hear you say amen? Amen. And so God is doing fantastic things, you know, with his church. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Now let's look at Africa. Amen. In 1900, in Africa, only 3% were Christians in the whole of Africa. 3% of the population in Africa were Christians. But today, in the sub-Saharan area of Africa, 50% of the people are Christian. In the sub Sahara, we still have work to do in the north. Amen. We have a lot of work to do in the north, which means we have about 20,000 people, new believers, every day. 20,000 people coming to the Lord every day. A couple of years ago, uh, uh, Evangelist Renabonke went to Nigeria, and one million people gave their lives to Christ. All around the world, in Kenya, at the the Uhuru Park, hundreds of people give their life to Christ, you know, almost every time there's a crusade. And so, this work is going on and we give God, you know, all the glory. But there's still a lot of work to do because other religions are not silent. You know, in the northern part of Nigeria, Islam is advancing forcefully. With violence, with everything. Uh, we, may say, we, may, we may deny whatever we want to deny about, oh, they are, they are not really Muslims, they are, you know, radicals, they are this, they are that. But they do whatever they do in the name of Islam. And there are bombs all over the place and so on and so forth. One thing, Sharia law and so on. But we know that Jesus is the answer to, that they are looking for. Amen. And we must not stop bringing Jesus into their consciousness. Hallelujah. Let's go on. In Latin America, we all can remember the Latin American phenomenon of of a revival that swept Latin America. In 1900, there were only about 50,000 Protestants. In Latin America, 50,000. In the whole of Latin America, only about 50,000. But in 1980, there were 20 million Protestants. Oh, come on, let's give a clap offering to the Lord. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) 20 million. Because when the Holy Spirit begins to move, then it becomes more, much, much easier for us to take the gospel out. Between 1900 and 1980, 80 years, 50,000 has become 20 million. Amen. And in 2000, there were 100 million Protestants in South America. We're talking about Brazil, Colombia, Venezuela, and all of the nations of South America. Amen. Because God was moving in those areas. And we know that Pastor Colley had so many uh, uh, missions, uh, mission trips to Brazil. We still do that now. Amen? We still do that. Pastor Colley still goes to Brazil. We have a church there. uh, More than one one branch of of church, um, Bishop Marcelo, is there in in Brazil. And you can see from 50,000 in 1900 to the year 2000, from 50,000 to 100 million. Isn't God wonderful? With God all things possible amen hallelujah also in China in China in 1950 there were 1 million Christians in 1950 now we've left the 1910 the 1900s Uh, um, we've come to 1950 because before this time there was really really no um, statistics we didn't have the you know the statistics especially during the communist regime in China Uh, You know, there was, um, Christianity was banned. By the time the the, the communists came into power, Christianity was not encouraged at all. And by the year 1954, I I, I believe, um, China has closed its doors to missionaries and Christians were getting arrested and were thrown into jail. And so Christians in China were forced to go underground. They were forced to go underground. But today, there are over 70 million Christians in China. Hallelujah. And that translates to 35,000 people coming to Christ on a daily basis. And we know that there was this period of communism when, that 10 years, when Christianity was driven underground, the only thing that they could do was to have house churches, underground churches, almost like ourselves. Amen. And that's why we must continue to push forward in our discipleship cells. Amen. Because growth happens in the cells. Amen. In those house churches in China, underground, they were multiplying. They couldn't come out publicly to express their faith, but God was moving among them. In fact, we believe today that China probably has the the, the greatest number of believers in the world. And that growth happened in those small groups in China, in the house, house, house churches. And so I want to encourage you. Maybe you've been discouraged about your cell. Maybe you have not even been going to cell. Maybe you've been coming for some time, and you haven't joined any of our cell discipleship meetings. Please, before you leave today, just ask at the desk, at the reception. I want to join a cell. And somebody will give you information as to, or come to the, to the room at the back, the welcome room, who would like to show you how to belong to one of the cells and become part of what God is doing in our midst. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, let's talk about the Great Commission Christians. Amen. You know what I mean by the Great Commission Christians? Those who really take the gospel. Sorry. Yes, this is where, this is what I want. Great Commission Christians. In 1900, only 14% of all Christians were Great Commission Christians. Only 14% of the total population of christians around the world would actually talk to somebody about jesus christ wow wow i just i'm 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 pausing so that that will have an effect because if we profess to be christians how come we're not gossiping the gospel if the gospel is really good news why are we not sharing it why is it that out of the whole population of the world I mean of the, of Christians around the world only 14% of, of them at that time are sharing the gospel but thank God that today it, by 2005 there are at 32% that's the statistic that we have and the question I want to ask is if it's only 32% of people that are sharing the gospel if only 32% of Christians around the world are great commission Christians. Can I ask you a question? Are you one of them? Are you one of those 32% of Christians that are great commission Christians? Somebody said, I think it was, it was Renabonke that said that the great commission has become the great omission. Let me encourage you this afternoon that there are people out there that are seeking. They want to know. They don't know. The challenge that we face as Christians today is that we believe too many of the things that we read in newspapers and we hear on the news about Christianity. We believe people who come on our national airs and uh, national TVs and radios and say, oh, Christianity is in decline. Christians are no longer relevant. Please let me, let me say this to you. If you are a Christian, you cannot accept that. You cannot accept that you are irrelevant you cannot accept that you cannot you must not accept that the Lord of glory lives on the inside of you and your life is irrelevant I think I think it's a sin for us to accept that Christianity is not relevant I think it's a sin for us to accept that Jesus Christ died on the cross of Calvary to save you to save me and some of you know the kind of life you were living before you gave your life to christ some of you know that you've been here this afternoon as a christian as a believer is the greatest miracle that you ever received because maybe 10 years ago 20 years ago 40 years ago or even last year if somebody said to you you will be in casting temple at this time listening to a preacher talk to you you probably say over my dead body But thank God that you are here today. Thank God that that miracle happened in your life today. Maybe two things happened. A friend prayed for you. Maybe something happened. A friend invited you. A brother invited you. A sister invited you. Your mother, your father, somebody invited you. Somebody prayed for you. God is still doing that with people today. And the people that invited you, whoever God used as an instrument to bring you so, Christ is a great, great commission Christian. And that's what Jesus wants each and every one of us to become. Please, there are so many people out there who are confused. They want to know is there really a God? A lot of people are asking questions that science cannot answer. Where are we from? Why are we here? And where are we going? Hallelujah. Science and philosophy has failed to answer that question. I was reading recently again uh, a book called Purpose Driven Life. And in one of the chapters, the writer of Purpose Driven Life was saying that there was a man that conducted a research and sent out letters to philosophers, scientists, leaders all around the world, asking them one simple question. Please, can you tell me? what is the meaning of life? And quite a few of them wrote back to him saying, well, this is the meaning of life, that is the meaning of life, this is what we believe to be the meaning of life, different versions. Some of them actually confessed and said, we don't know what we are talking about, we just made it up. And some of them wrote back to him and said to him, please, if you find the meaning of life and the purpose of life, would you kindly let us know? But right from the beginning, as we read the scriptures, we know the purpose of life. We know that God is the creator. We know that he created us for a purpose. And our purpose is to glorify him. Hallelujah. And we are supposed to partner with his son, Jesus Christ, in bringing his kingdom come. Hallelujah. The Bible says that the kingdom of God is at hand. Jesus Christ came preaching and saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The king of the kingdom had come. This is the kingdom of God. The Bible says in the book of Isaiah that of his kingdom, there shall be no end. Jesus is king. Can I hear you say amen? Amen. And he wants to bring the kingdom of heaven here on earth. And he's chosen you and I to partner with him. Wow. What a privilege. What an honor to partner with Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, in bringing the kingdom of God in. And that's one of the reasons. That's the main reason for this missions month in July that we want to rekindle that fire of the Great Commission. We want us to think Great Commission. We want us to think as a church again, kingdom. We want us for this whole month to forget the things that are plaguing us, the challenges, the obstacles that we have in our lives and concentrate on bringing in the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. So we have to challenge ourselves and say to ourselves, how many of us in Kensington Temple and London City Church are Great Commission Christians? How many of us are part of the Great Commission? And if you are not, then talk to your cell leader. Amen. There are missions, missions were going all, you know, on at all the time in Kensington Temple. We are not stopped. Even in our fellowship in Wolf Amsterdam yesterday, we went knocking doors, telling people, come to church tomorrow. After you've attended the service, we're going to give you some barbecue. The barbecue is still going on now. Amen. <laughs> And a lot of people came. I saw some of them, you know, they came. And as they eat the barbecue, we give them the gospel. We give them a track to take away. Then we have an opportunity to go knock on their door again and said, when are you coming back to church? Is there a barbecue? No, next month we'll give you another barbecue. <laughs> Amen. But come to church anyway. Amen. And some of them, I mean, one of the reports I had from the, from the street walk yesterday was a guy who had on his phone so many things. He had the Bible apps you know this different version of the Bible and he's seeking he also has all the new-age stuff because a lot of people are looking a lot of people are thinking but on the airwaves and as we go on the street sometimes we meet the ones that are really 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 anti-christian the ones that want to have an argument with us and because of that we think oh really we are not relevant no we are relevant please let me remind you what the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 3 Verse 20 that greater sorry that uh, God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ever think or ask of him by the power that is at work in us can I hear you say amen, amen. as we go forth for God on the Great Commission becoming a great Commission Christian as we become great Commission Christians I want you to know that Jesus's promise of these signs shall follow them that believe in my name they will cast out demons they will lay hands on the sick, they will recover. As we go in faith, these signs will follow us. Amen. Because God wants us to take his kingdom to the world with the power that comes with that kingdom. But you will have to rise up. We will have to rise up to that challenge of becoming missionary minded kingdom-minded, knowing that we are still here for a purpose and that your life and my life as followers of Jesus counts for something. Can I hear you say amen? May your life count for the kingdom of God. Amen. amen. And so that, that's a challenge. 32% of Christians around, around the year 2005 are the only Great Commission Christians. That number needs to grow. We need to grow, grow to 50%. We need to grow to 60%. We need to grow to 100% where everybody in the church takes the Great Commission as a serious, serious commission from the Lord Jesus Christ. Can I hear you say amen? amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, let's look at the changing church. Hallelujah. The face of the church is changing. The Christian center of gravity, the Christian center of gravity has shifted uh, to the global south, now with about 62.5% of all Christians. So, when you take a look at the the map of the world, the south, southern part, has become 62.5% of Christians. It is also shifting east. East Asia has about 115 million Christians. A lot of people think that the Asian world is not responding to the gospel. No, they are responding. Because the Christians around there are also waking up to what God is doing. Amen. And Jesus has not stopped saving people. Can I hear you say amen? amen. Hallelujah. And so, the, we need to, to come back again. And I want to, I want to appeal, saying my, the of my PowerPoint. I want to appeal to those of us who are not from... The, uh, from, from Europe originally, Amen. I am a third generation Christian. My grandfather became a Christian through the work of the missionary of the Christian Missionary Service. In Nigeria, we call them the CMS. Most of the Anglican Communion in Nigeria uh, was formed by the CMS, the Christian Missionary Service. And some of these missionaries, when they were coming to Africa, some of them did not even. They did not even land on the shores of Africa. Some of them died on the sea. They weren't given any decent barrier. They were thrown overboard. They left the comfort of their home in the west to come to the dark continent of Africa. They left the comfort of their family. They gave everything up to serve Jesus. Some of them came and landed in Asia, in India, all over the place, in Africa, and they were killed by the natives. Some of them died of mosquito bites. And those that survived, even though they don't have the knowledge of the power of the Holy Spirit, they don't have the doctrines that we have now, they just know. Like the Edinburgh Mission said, we want to take the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ to places where they don't know Jesus. And God went with them. He followed them. Some of them had only one convert in 20 years and they were rejoicing. But after they left, the gospel grew because the Holy Spirit blew upon what they were doing and the gospel was multiplied. And so I want to appeal to you, my brothers and my sisters, that from not originally from Europe, I want you to know that God sent you here. You may think you've come here to study. Great. Great. You may think you've come here to pursue, you know, your your, your daily bread, to be, you know, to to make, to get a better life for yourself. But I want to say to you today that God allowed you in here as a missionary. Can I hear you say amen? Amen. The seed, the seed of missions that was sown by those who came from this nation, from, from Western Europe, from North America, and went around the world, it has brought a harvest back to Europe. We are first and foremost here for the kingdom of God. And if we face that, seeking the kingdom of God first, you will discover that those things that you you have you think you have come to pursue, Jesus will cause them to pursue you. Can I hear you say amen? amen? I had a disciple who was in the Bible school some years ago, Samuel. Samuel came from Nigeria and came to the Bible school and joined myself. He was on his way to Canada. But when he came to KT, he learned about the discipleship uh, uh, cell explosion that we have in this church and decided to learn. And so I discipled him and he trained in the Bible school. We went on missions together and then he, he went out there and said, I'm going to stay. I'm going to do some more stuff in England. So he applied and did his MBA. He did, to cut the long story short... When he was trying to do his master's, there was a lot of, so a few things that were wrong with his visas. And the, the home office said, no, we are not granting you this visa. We are sending you back. And so he challenged the home office. We were praying with him. He challenged the home office because his, his, his wife and everybody had just come. And I said, no, we're going, we going to send you back to your, to your country. So I, you know, a couple of Christians prayed with him. And I met with him and said, are you afraid to go back home? He said, no. In fact, it came to a point that he wrote to his MP and said to his MP, look, these people said they want to take me back to my country. I've been waiting. I'm packing and unpacking. I'm waiting for them to come and send me back. They, have, they are making my life very, very uncomfortable. If they want to deport me, let them come and deport me now or leave me alone. And so a couple of months later, he got a letter from the home office saying, well, Mr. Samuel, we've decided to give you indefinite state. No, no, that your amen is very weak. Can I hear you say a louder amen? amen. Yeah, don't be jealous, or jealous of the man. My point in telling this story is that he made the kingdom of God his priority. He made the kingdom of God. He came into this house. He connected with the vision of God in this house. And God granted the desires of his heart. And by the time the home office was threatening him, he wasn't running around looking for some dodgy lawyers, looking for some dodgy papers, going to to some all-night meetings that are irrelevant, you know, talking to some silly prophets on TV who know nothing. No, he focused on God. He was not fearful to go back home because he knows if God does not want him here in this country, if he goes back to where he came from, his life will be much, much better. There are so many testimonies like that that I've seen. When people prioritize the kingdom of God, he makes every other thing to follow after them. Can I hear you say amen? amen. I want to finish preaching this, 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 this evening by us looking at one of the terrible things that have happened to the church in Europe. The decline, the, the growth of the non-Western churches sadly has brought a decline in the growth. Of the Western nations and that's why I was appealing to those of you who have come from Africa from Asia from South America who are not Europeans originally most of us are British I'm British now I was born and raised in Nigeria but today thank God I'm British amen I can travel around Europe as I like amen there used to be a time when my green passport was almost like a curse (laughs) amen it's getting better now it's getting better you know, but I'll take my, my, my Bible school students on missions then. All of them have crossed immigration and I'm still standing there. They are looking at my passport and checking and double-checking and looking at my face to, just to make sure that it's the real person in the, in the passport. Amen. So I decided to get my British passport quickly. You know, so I go, you know, through customs and immigration now very much, you know, easily. Amen. The decline in Western Europe churches. When the age of enlightenment came, what is known as the age of enlightenment, which really is the age of darkness in Europe, where the Bible was being challenged, the Bible was being created, the the age of reason, where people began to say that science and reason is to be taken uh, as more relevant than the power of the scriptures. And Christians began to buy into that. And today, a lot of people still think that Christianity and science are opposed to each other. No. Christianity is not opposed to science. Christianity, I mean, science cannot prove that there is a God. That's the problem with them, because we know God by faith. And we have what they are looking for. They can build as many, you know, uh, 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 scientific machines as they like, spend billions and billions and trillions of dollars. They will not be able to find the God particle. How God created them, it's not possible. They are not good. That's one of the things that God has retained in his wisdom for his own knowledge. Amen. But today now, science is showing us diverse things in space. Amen. When you, I watch some of the, those programs on TV that talks about the new planets, how beautiful they are. When you look at those things on TV, and you know, you're, you, know you, you will marvel at what David was saying. The heavens declares the glory of our God. That from day to day they speak, they utter speech. The things that God has created in the universe—they are speaking to us every day about the glory of our God, about His majesty, about His power. So, science, in my opinion, is not opposed to Christianity, and Christianity is not opposed to science. We have one major problem with science, and that's in the area of ethics. We don't want science to push ethics back. We don't want there to be uh, no, no line in the sand. The Science can cross any line. No, we don't want cloning of human beings. We don't want euthanasia, you know, where somebody can just decide, I want to die, so kill me and all that. No, because we value life. We don't want abortion to be, to be something that people can just do anyhow. Because every life in the womb is precious. Can I hear you say amen? Amen. And so it's only in the area of ethics that Christians tend to say, no, we have to challenge science. Please don't go. Don't go beyond the parameters that God has given humans to go. Amen. And so we must understand that science and reason is one of the things that that God has given us. God gave us our brain. Thank God for science. I can go down on an airplane this evening and be in my home nation, Nigeria, in five hours. Amen. I don't have to go, you know, by ship for three months. Uh, You know, when winter comes, I can just turn something on in my house and my house is heated. I can get on my phone and call my folks back home in Africa. It's science. We enjoy science also as Christians and science is good. So many discoveries in the area of medicine, communications, and all that. That that shows us that the power of God in our lives is awesome. The brain that he has given us is awesome. That God has endowed us with such magnificent brain, but that must be used to worship him as the creator. He is the creator. We must never turn what he has created into an idol that we worship. And so the age of reason brought into Christianity a decline, especially in Europe. Where people began to question this and question that and and all that. But it is not over until God says so. Can I hear you say amen? amen? And that is why we must continue to stand and pray for the church in Europe. Not only pray, we must also be prepared to go as missionaries. We must be prepared to support missionary work in Europe. We must be prepared to support everybody must be we must continue to be a sending church we must align ourselves back to the edinburgh edinburgh missionary conference where people said god got together and their number one point is carrying the gospel to all the non-christian world europe is almost becoming a non-christian world amen and we must stand against that we must align ourselves back to scripture and say to ourselves jesus christ said go And therefore we must go hallelujah now let me finish by reading to you a scripture from uh, from from uh, the book of Romans hallelujah please go with me to the book of Romans chapter 1 Romans chapter 1 verse 16 of course most of you know this scripture by heart let's take a look at it again Romans chapter 1 from verse 16 actually let's read from verse 15 paul says to the Romans, so much as is in me i am ready to preach the gospel to you who are also, who are in rome also for i'm not ashamed of the gospel of christ please say with me i am not ashamed of the gospel of christ where god finds those people who are not ashamed of his gospel he releases the power of the holy spirit for the spread of the gospel. Can I hear you say amen? amen? Verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. For the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. Amen. Now let me read to you. That's, that's the New King James Version. Let me read to you from the New, uh, new International Version. It says, for I'm not ashamed of the, gospel, uh, for, of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation. The gospel is the power of God that brings salvation. Everywhere we go, taking the gospel, salvation must come. Sometimes the seed that we sow, we may not see the fruit immediately. Amen. Somebody may come and water them, but that fruit will come because the gospel carried power in itself to bring salvation amen the gospel of jesus christ carries power in itself to bring salvation so paul is letting us know even today reminding us that we must never forget that the gospel the power of salvation is in preaching the gospel can i hear you say amen Amen. hallelujah verse 17 he says he says in verse 17 for in it that is in the gospel Uh, i'm reading the niv now sorry niv for for in the gospel because the new king james says in it, in what? In the gospel. In preaching the gospel is the righteousness of Christ revealed from faith to faith. It is in the preaching of the gospel. Today we know that unrighteousness is all around us. We see unrighteousness. We see ungodliness. We see wickedness all around us. What is the solution? What is the solution to stopping people, hacking innocent people to death on the streets of London? What is the solution to stopping all the strange things that are happening to our children? All the nonsense, everything that we complain about as Christians that we don't like, that is ungodly that we see around us. The reason why we feel powerless against these things is because we are not preaching the gospel. The gospel is the answer. Please turn to somebody sitting next to you, shake their hand, touch them, give them a high five or whatever you want to do and tell them the gospel is the answer. Oh, come on, tell them the gospel is the answer. If we want to see righteousness in our nation, then we must come back to what the Bible says. That the faith that Jesus Christ has given us can only be revealed faith to faith only through the preaching of the gospel. We can pray, we can fast, we can do whatever we want to do, Unless we preach the gospel, it amounts to nothing. If we want to see righteousness in this nation. We can pray. We can do 24 hours prayer. We can do 100 days of fasting. We can do whatever we like. We can jump up and jump down. We can roll on the floor. We can do all of our charismatic stuff that we do. But if we don't preach the gospel, there is no power. We may enjoy our holy Cozy atmospheres in our churches, but until we take the gospel out there Until we take it out onto our streets We will not see the changes that we want in our nation and in our environment We will not see the changes that we want in Europe. Hallelujah, and that's why this month We are challenging ourselves as the body of Christ and you have not joined that challenge. Please join Join the challenge do something for missions this month do something before July ends give Go, participate, bake some cake, you know, do some fruit juice. You know, tell your cell leader you want to do something. In your cells, we are raising funds for missions. Do something. Partake of the Great Commission. We must increase the number from 32 to 50 in this church of the Great Commission Christians. Why? Because the gospel is the power of God unto salvation for them. In the preaching of the gospel is the righteousness of Jesus Christ revealed from faith to faith. And we are called to preach the kingdom and its righteousness. Jesus Christ said, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. He said to us, seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That righteousness can only come through the preaching of the gospel. Hallelujah. And that's what this month is about. Christian Light will be back next week, you know, to come and tell us about the work to be done. Amen. My job today is to set him up. To let you see the progress that God has done through the ages past and what he's still doing now. But also to show you that there's a lot of work to be done. And therefore we must not stop walking. Amen. There's a reason why Jesus Christ has left us here on earth. He could have taken us to heaven when we got saved. To enjoy with him. To be with him forever in eternity. Not worried about anything. But he left us here. That the kingdom, his kingdom his kingdom may prosper in our hands. And what, a, what an honor and a privilege to be part of that growth that he wants to bring through the preaching of the gospel. Amen. Mm-hmm. I want us to stand and just pray as we close this meeting. Daniel is going to come in a minute. I want us to stand. And I want us to pray just, you know, briefly for the church in Europe. Amen. One prayer point, just one. And that prayer point is that God will wake us up. Amen. You see, we don't have to wait for persecution to grow beyond this. We don't have to wait for any kind of dramatic thing. We can take this, the few of us who are here today, and everybody who's been hearing this message of of mission since the beginning of, or since the last Sunday in June, we can take it and run with it and trust God to allow his word to burn like fire in our bones. So please say with me, you know, loud and clear, please shut the doors because we are going to pray now. The ushers, please shut the doors. We don't want, you know, the noise to be, to be heard outside because I really want us to pray. We're going to pray for just a few minutes and then Daniel will come. Amen. So please say with me, Father. Father. No, we can say it better. Say, Father. Father. In, the Christ, in the name of Jesus Christ. We ask, oh God, we ask, oh God in, the son, in the name of your son that you will wake up, wake up the church, the church in, Europe. in Europe. Quicken us again, oh God. That we may run with the Great Commission in the name of Jesus Christ. Now let's begin to pray. Let's begin to pray about that. Let's just pray. Let's ask God to wake us up again. Let's ask God to bless the Great Commission in our hands. Let's ask God to quicken us again. That, like the Edwin Brown Mission, like the Edwin Brown Mission. There are people that will rise up again and say we want to take the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ to the ends of the earth. We want to go to every corner of Europe to preach the gospel. We want to go. We want to go. We want to go. We want to go for you, Lord. Hallelujah. Lord Jesus, we pray that you will bless your work in our hands. Bless your work. Bless the Great Commission. Bless this month of missions in the name of Jesus. And we promise to give you the glory in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen.